Somebody once said, mothers are like the hands of God. And I think what they were just trying to emphasize was that it's through mothers that God blesses us. So today we want to look at what are those blessings that God gives us through mothers and encourage our mothers, but also it's a time for us then to say, thanks God, thanks for mothers. Now my message today is going to take you into a story from the Old Testament about a godly mother. It's found in the book of 1 Samuel, and that text is a little bit long, and so I'll be reading it at different times throughout the message. But first, let me give you a little background about the times of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel tells us about what was going on after a period that's referred to as a time of the judges. That is, when Israel was being ruled by different various leaders. It was just a short time before this that the nation of Israel had been freed from their 400-year slavery in Egypt and then wandered in the desert for 40 years because of their rebellion against God and then finally got into that land of Canaan and settled it. But as the writer of the book of Judges tells us, it was a dark time for Israel because it said Israel had no king and everyone did as he saw fit. And unfortunately, what they saw fit to do was to wander away from God's will. But God raised up some people. He raised up some men who would lead the people back to God. People like Samuel and then their first kings, Saul and David and Solomon, and, and all of their great feats are recorded for us in the books of First and Second Samuel. And so we hear of these great people that are serving God. For example, right, we, we think of that story of David as a young boy taking on the challenge of confronting and defeating that giant Goliath. We hear of how David raised Israel up to be a great nation and how Solomon brought a time of peace and prosperity to the nation. <coughs> so when we look at that book, we see all these great names pop out to us, and we say, wow, here are heroes of God. But it's interesting to see how the book of 1 Samuel starts out by telling us the account of a godly woman named Hannah, who means, her name means, a woman of grace. When we look at her life and the lessons we can apply to our lives, we'll say, thank God for mothers. Here's Hannah's story. <coughs> there was a certain man from Ramathiam, a Zophite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham. He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other, Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had none. Now the first thing I need to explain is, obviously Elkanah is not following the will of God. The will of God in marriage is that there be one man and one woman who are married. God does not approve of polygamy, but that was the situation in this story. Let's focus now on Hannah. Year after year, this man went up from his town 
to worship and sacrifice the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. We'll hear about those two guys a little later. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Peninnah and to all of her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, the other wife, kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept and would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? You see, that's the solution guys have for everything, right? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. That was an Old Testament way of showing a vow of dedication to the Lord. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, the priest, observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went away, and she ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Now early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. The first thing we see here about Hannah is that Godly women 
will call upon the Lord. That is, they will take all their cares and simply cast them onto the Lord. Now perhaps Hannah just remembered that promise of God. Cast all your care on him because he cares for you. And that's exactly what she was doing. Several times the writer was telling us about the anguish of her heart, the weeping bitterly in her desire to have children. She was simply pouring forth her heart to the Lord. Now, yes, Eli simply saw her mouth moving. He couldn't hear the words. And sometimes maybe when we pray, we can't find the right words to say either, but it's our heart that's filled with anxious, anxiousness. It's our heart that maybe has some anguish in it and wants to simply pour itself out to the Lord. And that's good. That's the home for prayer. John Bunyan, the Christian writer, put it this way. In prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart. In other words, he's simply reminding us to take our cares and concerns and to put them before the Lord. Now the Lord said, call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And that's what Hannah was doing. She was simply calling upon God in her trouble, in her anguish. Now it sounded a little bit like she was doing some bargaining, huh? Lord, if you give me a son, then I'll see that he's dedicated to you all the days of his life. Well, when you look closely at the word, she wasn't bargaining at all. The word she used for give meant, if you gift this to me. She simply recognized that what she was getting from the Lord was a gift from him. And she is simply doing what God said to do when he delivers us to honor him. And so her way of honoring the Lord was simply to say, I will dedicate back to you what you have given to me. And she notes how the Lord had given her the son because she named him Samuel, which means heard by the Lord. And that's exactly why we want to pray, because the Lord loves to answer prayers. Now you heard what uh, Elkanah wanted to do. You know, he was concerned about his wife's anguish also. And uh, he was saying, come on, honey, you have me. Aren't I better? Can't I do something for you? No, you can't. Guys, we can't always fix everything. But the Lord can. And it was Hannah's belief that brought her relief. Her belief in the Lord that she was praying to is what brought her relief. She started out her prayer by saying, Lord Almighty. Now we're maybe used to hearing that term because that name is used like 300 sometimes in the Bible. But this is the first time it was used in the Bible. Lord Almighty literally meant Lord of hosts, Lord of armies. It was referring to the army of angels. Hannah was simply saying, Lord, you are powerful. Lord, you are present in my life. Lord, you have given me promises, and you can help me in my time of need. And indeed, he did. All those years of trying, 
all the years of crying were solved with one prayer. Thank God for mothers who cast their needs before the Lord in prayer. He brought an answer back. Eli said, go in peace, and the God of Israel will grant you, will give you as a gift what you have asked of him. And it changed her life. She went away. She was no longer downcast. Cast your cares before the Lord, because the Lord loves to answer prayer. Have you ever spent some sleepless nights worrying about things that you have to deal with? Have you ever spent some time just being really nervous about things, trying to figure out a solution for this or that, wondering how things were going to turn out? Hannah gives us a beautiful example of how to handle those challenges that are before us. Spend some time in prayer. Pour out your heart to the Lord. Whatever is your concern for your own life, for people in your family, for your church, for your community, for our country, just pour out those concerns to the Lord. And then when you get an answer, make sure you acknowledge the Lord's response to you. That's what she did by naming her son Samuel. The Lord heard. My wife and I lost our first child through a miscarriage. And the Lord knew the anguish of our heart and our desire for a child. And so he soon after that gave us our first child. And we named him Zachary after the Old Testament word Zachariah. That means the Lord remembers. It was our way of acknowledging the fact that that child was God's response to our request for a child. So look for ways to acknowledge that God answers your prayers. Now, a second thing we see from Hannah is that we can thank God for mothers who cherish children as a gift from the Lord. It was clearly evident that they saw life as a miracle coming from God. Now, first we see that by some negative actions. Right? There's Peninnah, the other wife. She's hassling Hannah over the fact she doesn't have any kids. You're not blessed by God. And you're going up to worship him, but you're not blessed. You don't have children. And Hannah was distraught because she didn't have children. From those two negative uh, actions, we can see what they considered children to be. A gift from God. Today, the media might refer to children in the womb as a cell or tissue. Or when children are born sometimes, people might refer to it as an unwanted pregnancy, unplanned, and maybe it's a burden now, a challenge, a problem. God calls those children gifts, blessings, and miracles. And that's how we too should view them. Now, we're told that Hannah's womb was closed by the Lord. Sometimes the Lord has reasons for not allowing a woman to become pregnant. But in his time and with his purposes, he will bring about blessings. She did bear a son after her prayer. 
In fact, later on, we'll be told she had five more children. So she was abundantly blessed. But key here is how she recognized those children. She said, I have been granted this child. She saw him as a gift. And what do you do with a gift? You cherish it. You care for it. Let's see what Hannah did. When her husband Elkanah went up with all of his family to offer the annual sacrifice to the Lord and to fulfill his vow, Hannah did not go. She said to her husband, after the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. Now, after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli the priest, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he worshipped the Lord there. What we see from Hannah is she regarded not only this child as a gift, but she recognized she was given a responsibility. She was entrusted with the caring of a soul. She, just, she didn't see this child as just another mouth to feed, another body to clothe, just flesh and blood that I have to watch over. She saw the child as he was, a living soul, one who had been redeemed for the Lord. And that's why she came with a bowl and some flour and some wine. Those were uh, things they used in their offerings and sacrifices. One, to express the need for forgiveness. And that forgiveness would come through the shedding of blood, through a sacrifice made in their behalf. And then, from that forgiveness, that there would be peace with God. There would be fellowship, and that's what the flour and the wine was for, to symbolize a meal of peace and friendship. Now, Hannah did not believe that this bull is what brought her forgiveness, or that the flour and wine was actually what brought her peace. No, she was looking to the Lord, who promised that there would be a Savior who would be the sacrifice for sins. That there would be a Savior who would come and live for all people and bring them into fellowship with God, to bring peace to the world. And that Savior was Jesus, God's own Son, that he sacrificed on the cross to pay for the sins of the world, who lived his life perfectly to provide that peace between us and God, who rose from the dead to assure us of eternal life with God. You and I come to worship, not bringing something to give to God, but to receive from God what he has given us, forgiveness and peace in Jesus. And that's what we are to instruct to others. When she refers to Samuel as a child, it was a word in the Hebrew that meant of an age in which the child was now learning. 
she was instructing him about the Lord and the fact that he is redeemed by the Lord. How important it is for us to recognize the value of every soul and to make efforts to bring every soul to the Lord. To see the children who've been entrusted into our care, to see them as souls that we are to bring to the Lord. And it's not just the children that are in our house, but the children that are in our household that we call a church. Bring them up in the Lord. Train them in the way of the Lord. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. That's God's promise. And look what he did with Samuel. Samuel was brought to the Lord as a small child. And Samuel grew up to become one of the greatest prophets of God's people who turned that nation back toward God. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. Don't overlook what God might do to fulfill his plans. As I look back over my ministry and recognize that I've had a lot of kids in my classrooms, a number of them have gone on to be pastors and teachers in our church. In fact, three of those students are here on our staff. You never know how God is going to use the influence you have over other people. Don't underestimate the power of prayer or of his word in people's lives. Thank God for mothers who raise their children in the Lord. That's what Hannah was doing. She was teaching her son about the Lord. All during that time, as she's preparing him now to go live in the tabernacle, he would know why he was going to serve the Lord. In fact, later we're told she made an outfit for him that would resemble the priest's outfit. She was simply instructing him about that relationship and about the responsibility, the duty, the response we have to serving the Lord. Now, we want our kids to know a lot today because they have to know a lot to be successful in life. To have a good life in this world. But let's remember that there's a life in the world to come also that we want them to be prepared for. And so let's make sure that we teach them about the Lord first. Train them up then to serve the Lord. It's interesting to note that in the Bible there were several women who were barren and wanted children. And the Lord answered those prayers and gave them men who became great in God's plan of salvation. Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samson, and now Samuel. It's because of godly mothers who raised them in the Lord. That raising of the Lord was bringing him to the tabernacle. And so it is that children should be raised in the church to know the purpose of worship, to hear his word, to be seen, to, to, to see how it is we serve the Lord. So let's make a vow, a commitment to raise our children in the Lord. That is, teaching them a desire to hear the word and learn it. Teaching them to know God's will and to live it. Teaching them to see those opportunities to serve the Lord. 
Now it's not just, again, the children in our house. The Apostle John wrote three letters that are found in the Bible, and one of them he addressed to a woman and her children. And it's interpreted that that wasn't some particular lady he knew, but he meant the church and her children, the members. We as a congregation have that responsibility to raise all of God's people in the word, to instruct them in the word and the importance of it, and to train them to serve. Now, to be sure, we live in challenging times where a lot of focus is on the self. Well, what am I going to get out of it? I want to do what I enjoy. What can I get? Well, it was that way also during Hannah's day. As I said earlier, it was a very wicked time. It's interesting to note in this this wonderful story about this woman of grace, Hannah, that God interjects a heartbreaking story about the priest Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, who were also serving as priests. It says that they were greedy, stealing from the offerings that were brought to the tabernacle, and that they would take advantage of the women. Eli was to correct his adult sons, but he didn't. God brought discipline to both of those sons and Eli. And with that, he's reminding us that the parents and the church have a responsibility for their children to bring them up in the way of the Lord and to discipline them when necessary. Now, I know sometimes the thought is with adults, well, they're adults now, they're going to make their own choices. But if something is wrong, it's wrong. And God expects that his people will step in to correct that. Now, Maybe you do it differently with adult children than you do with young children. But God still wants us to carry out that responsibility of raising children in the Lord. Thank God for mothers who do that. Here's more about the story. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. That is, he had the clothes on of a priest. Each year, his mother made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. And then they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Thank God for mothers who provide for their children. First of all, providing them with love. Hannah did not forget about her son, but she went regularly to see him. Now, I know it said that she went up annually once a year, but I think we can probably safely assume she went up more than that because their hometown was just a few miles away. And even though her hands were full with five other kids, she did not forget about her son, but continued to show him love and supplied him with his temporal needs, brought him clothing, brought him connection with his family. 
Sometimes clothing was seen as a symbol also of the fact that we are clothed by God with his righteousness to be part of his family. And so Hannah was simply carrying out this duty of providing for her children. How do we bring up our children? Yes, they have physical needs that need to be met, but let's not put them over the first need of love and spiritual faith. Abraham Lincoln once said, no man is poor who has a godly mother. And indeed, when we have godly mothers, we are blessed. So let us make a commitment to be better parents. And as a congregation, commit to helping families raise their children in the Lord. And today, let's just thank God for godly mothers. Amen.